0: We're back. It's Avoiding the Puddle. I'm Aris. I'm here, as usual, with my good man, MYK. What's up, Mike?
1: What's up, guys?
0: All right, man. Uh, We got, as usual, a ton of different things to talk about. Um, First of all, I'd like to say, uh, originally we had, for a a guest on the show, we had scheduled LOC and Geese Master, who are both uh, very reputable FANG players, Mm -hmm. to be on the show. But unfortunately, uh, you wouldn't believe how fucking hard it is to get three people in the same place at the same time. And L.O.C. was just unable to... There was scheduling issues, and he, you know, he had a problem. And he was unable to record with me, so I ended up uh, interviewing Geese Master. And we'll go ahead and let you guys listen to that later on. Uh, just as a warning, we get really technical, and we cut all the bullshit... Uh, we talk about notations and frame data, because I'm personally very interested in the character, so I cut all the crap, and I, I'm really uh, interested in learning. So, yeah, we'll get that to you guys later, and um, we got, like I said, a ton of shit to talk about, and we're just going to kick it off. Um, last uh, A couple episodes ago, I, uh, I reviewed the HORI VLX stick, and a lot of people have been asking me what I think about the TE stick, now, I'm not going to go too deep into it like I did with that stick, but Markman was very generous, and he uh provided me with a TE, uh, Super Street Fighter 4 TES stick. And, um, you know, it's kind of like uh, taboo to say this, but to be honest, I was never a fan of the TE1, round one or round two. I mean, I understood why it was so popular and the, it was good quality, but I just never really liked the feel of it. There was something about it—the bezel—I didn't like the sides. There was something about it that just kept me personally from using it. And, um, and you know, in case people don't know, they have the new version, which is the Super Street Fighter IV TES, and they they changed the surface on top to where it's completely flat, and they remove the two things on the sides, which makes the stick like maybe an inch and a half. Uh, smaller in terms of width and everything else is legit so i mean it's like those two complaints that i had about the original te were fixed on this stick so you have a nice flat surface to play on i mean it's really it's really simple and small and you know it's a great stick overall and for the price i mean you know i I think you can find them how how much can you find them for mike these days
1: i think like if you look around for like special deals online
0: I mean, th- their
1: bucks or even less than a hundred sometimes.
0: Yeah, I know. You you can get good deals. I mean, personally, the te round one, round two. Obviously, everyone likes them, and it's kind of like fucking blasphemy for me to say <laughs> I don't like them. But I don't know. There's just something about it that just prevented me from using it um, myself, even though I understood that it was high quality. But this new TES, I'm a big fan of it. The surface on top is nice and flat. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of all the, you know, graphics and the gay, you know, Ryu and Ken. I'm sick of seeing Ryu and Ken. So, I mean, it, you can mod it. You can change whatever you want, obviously. But it really feels good. It has a nice weight to it, and it's a good stick overall. So, I mean, I, I recommend it to anyone who has a issue with budget. I mean, it's a really good quality stick for a really good price. Yeah, and I mean, it's like it's it's cheaper than getting like a
1: custom stick and you're getting like top quality Japanese parts.
0: So yeah, absolutely. So yeah, definitely a, a great stick overall. Um in my opinion, much better than the original TE and the Round 2. Um anyway, th- that that said, uh the big news to hit obviously is Street Fighter Cross Tekken. I mean, everyone's talking about it. It's a huge announcement. I mean, I just saw right now some dude made a rap video about it on YouTube. (laughs) I mean, it's just out of control. Everyone's talking about it. And if you guys are interested in my opinion of that, I was a a guest on iPlayWinner.com's podcast with Hans and Farai. So it's t- also
1: linked to it on the main page of Iron Tekken.
0: That's right, and if you guys want my opinion on it, you know I talk about that shit forever and you know all that stuff. But I- I'm interested in your opinion on it, Mike. I mean, how do you feel about that game? And you know, it's so crazy. What do you think?
1: Um, it's interesting because I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not looking at it from like just like a fanboy perspective. I'm looking at it like uh, like gameplay and like more like specific stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems. Because I've played Street Fighter Four for a little while, I mean, I played it ever since the vanilla version, and I still sort of play it now, not really, but you know I still play it on and off,
0: yeah, you know how to play. I mean, I've watched you play, you know how to play,
1: so it's like I mean I like how uh Ryu has his donkey kick again, so it seems like they're gonna give um even like the old Street Fighter cast from soup like from super Street Fighter like uh new moves or like tweak their moves again, yeah. and it also seems like. There's, like, something up with, like, how ultras connect in this game. It's, like, or even if they're called ultras or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, like, Ryu has, like, chain combos with, like, far fierce and, like, far roundhouse. And then that puts them in, like, a spinning state and, you know, all the specific stuff. So I'm, like, I'm just looking at that kind of stuff. And I'm, like, okay, this seems a little deeper than what uh, Super Street Fighter IV could be. Because, like, even, even the ground game, when you knock down an opponent, mm-hmm. they could, like, tech forward or tech back now. And it's like there's more different ways to get up other than the two ways that you have in Super Street Fighter 4 which is like tech or don't tech.
0: Yeah, yeah, I noticed that too. And you know that uh far standing uh fierce roundhouse, that's a third strike uh chain combo. And oh. uh, yeah, that that far standing uh fierce roundhouse for Ryu is a third strike chain. Now in that game he couldn't do any supers or anything off of it, but the donkey kick also is a third strike uh move. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I mean maybe they're kind of um Looking towards Third Strike and pulling some inspiration from that game, who knows? Uh, there's a lot of um, chain combos that link into supers in that game. Like for example, Yun has a uh, jab, short, strong, uh, shoulder into his uh, you know custom combo super, and then you know there's a lot of chain combos into supers in that game. So who knows man, how the system will work? You know, but it looks mm-hmm. cool.
1: I don't know. I, I didn't even see a focus attack in that video, so who knows? They might be going back to more third-strike routes or something. Yeah,
0: who knows, man? Perry might be in there. It's, just, <laughs> it's very exciting. I mean, it doesn't matter what they do. Like I said on the other podcast, I'm excited because I have faith in both the uh Oh, teams. yeah.
1: You oh, know? yeah, definitely.
0: You know that I like, mean? S- go ahead.
1: I mean, like, even like you said in your other podcast, it was like... This game isn't coming out for two years, so Super Street Fighter Four. who knows how big it will be in two years, you know? It might be dying out, people are getting tired of this game, and it's like, maybe they want to upgrade for this game, and the next upgrade is Street Fighter vs. Tekken for them.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, everyone has to keep in mind, uh, regardless of the existence of the Tekken characters, this is a Street Fighter game. Uh, mm-hmm. Just like CVS was accepted as a Street Fighter game, regardless of the SNK characters... Uh, I, I, if this game is good, I think it will be accepted as a Street Fighter, and a lot of people will play it, and it's going to unify communities, and I'm excited, man. It, it looks cool.
1: Yeah, it seems interesting watching Kazuya's moves happen in 2D and stuff. So
0: Yeah, I know. something we've never seen before. I, I couldn't believe it when I saw it. It just yeah. makes me smile. <laughs> and uh, speaking of that, and speaking of my respect for both Ono and Harada, uh, Harada uh, has opened up a Twitter account, and he seems to be all over that shit, like he's got nothing oh, to do. Oh, yeah, I love work. it. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, fucking, you better, hey, Harada, if you're listening to this, you better be making practice mode, man. Stay off of that Twitter <laughs> and start making some practice mode and shit. But, yeah, he's he's just answering everyone's questions. And, you know, in, in in most cases, people are obviously asking him things that he can't answer, you know. And so he's just replying with joke questions. But, you know, he's there, and he's listening, and he's... um. He's taking everyone's uh, word into consideration. And um, at Comic-Con, I was recently uh, at a tournament, a Tekken tournament at Comic-Con, and Harada and Michael Murray were both there. Mm -hmm. And um, they they really have this attitude of where, you know, we've learned from Ono and we've learned uh, from our mistakes, and we really are interested in the community and we're interested in feedback. So if there's anything you really care about, You know, and you think should be added. Uh, You know, as long as it's not fucking scenario campaign. If you (laughs) care about scenario, if you're the one guy in the world that likes scenario campaign, please go fuck yourself and uh, don't don't suggest that it's back. But other than that, you know, if you have opinions on maybe you want June to come back or Kunimitsu, or you're interested in a training mode that, uh, whatever, you know, you, you follow this guy and shoot him a question or whatever, He he's interested, and Michael Murray is also interested, and uh, I really respect that, they they really have good attitudes, and they're the kind of, they're really approachable, you know, like, yeah, I met definitely. the, go ahead, Michael. what's up?
1: No, 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 I'm mean, just saying, like, I'm agreeing.
0: Yeah, Um, back a few years ago at E3, I met the producer for Soul Calibur, mm-hmm. and, you know, at that time, I was really interested in Soul Calibur 3, this is before it had come out, and I didn't know anything about, I didn't know it was going to be a bullshit, terrible piece of shit game. Um, (laughs) And I was really, like, starstruck, and I was like, hey, you know, talking to the producer of Soul Calibur, and he kind of seemed just, like, dry, like, he didn't, he wasn't interested in talking to anyone, he was just like, yeah, whatever, I just got a fucking E3, and whatever, who gives a shit? And, you know, it's really refreshing that Harada and Michael Murray have... This cool, approachable attitude where, you know, you could go up to him, you could talk shit to him, and they talk shit to you. Michael Murray told me to my face that he thought I was gay. And I was (laughs) like, man, I'm not fucking gay anymore. I used to be gay. And so, you know, we were just talking shit, and they're cool guys, you know. So a lot of of respect to those guys, and uh, I really appreciate what they're doing uh, for the scene. And people have asked me, you know, oh, you know, what happened with the interview with Harada? I, I guess I didn't make it clear. Uh, Harada and Michael Murray have both agreed to participate in uh, this program, Avoiding the Puddle, but I'm saving that interview for when they announce the next Tekken. And it, mm. it, Harada has said that the next Tekken, you know, they're, they're going to unveil something soon, and it's not necessarily the Tekken Cross Street Fighter. That's way in the future. So, there's whatever the next closer. Tekken is, yeah, there's something closer, I presume. And as soon as they announce that, we're going to have a lot of questions for them. So that's when I'm going to have them on the show. They're really cool guys, so I'm really looking forward to that. So everyone listening, you know, hold your horses. It's coming, you know, be patient. It's coming. Um, and uh, unless you have anything to add on, on this topic, we're going to move on to the next one. No, I'm good. All right, so um, before we go to the Geese Master uh, interview, uh, one thing I wanted to talk about, we we on the program we talk a lot about strategies and You know, like uh, psychological things that occur during a tournament and stuff. And one really major part of fighting games in tournament gameplay has always been sandbagging. Sandbagging has been just this huge, huge entity in tournaments, and it's been there for a really long time. And I think it's, it's important to kind of examine this part of tournament gameplay very closely. Now... Uh, I'm sure everyone's experienced sandbagging in some way, and a lot of people are idiots and they don't even realize they've been sandbagged. Like, you'll talk to someone after a tournament, and they'll be like, yo, I don't know how I fucking lost to that guy, I beat his ass in casuals, and, you know, I don't know what happened, I'll tell you what happened, you dipshit. He was sandbagging you so good that you didn't even realize you got sandbagged. You still think (laughs) you're better than him after he whooped your ass in tournament, and, you know, it's important that you realize, okay, sandbagging exists, you can assume everybody does it, and on the topic, I have a few stories I want to tell about sandbagging that I've experienced in my life, and there are several different types of sandbagging. So, the first story I want to tell is of Tidy Whitey versus uh, Tom Hilfiger in Tekken 4 SoCal Regionals. Now, for those of you who don't know, Tidy Whitey is a faggot, and no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he's, he's, he was one of the best, um, he was the best Marduk player. In the United States, in Tekken 4, and uh, this uh, Tom Fig- Tom Hill figure obviously was one of the the best Tekken 4 player in the world, I believe. And um, this is when the game was obviously just out in arcades, and Tom was still playing Paul. And uh, the day before SoCal Regionals, Tom Hill figure was playing against Tidy Whitey, and Tidy Whitey told me that what he did is he intentionally let. Uh, uh, Tom Tom's Paul hit him with every falling leaf, which is down four two. He just let him hit with down four two every time, and every throw that Tom Hilfiger did, he intentionally didn't break. So in Tom's mind, he was thinking that, wow, this guy he never ducks and he can't break any throws. This is going to be an easy win. And obviously, Tidy Whitey was planting the seed in Tom's mind so that that he would,
1: inception uh, shit right exactly. there.
0: <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> so, so yeah, obviously he was yeah, exactly he was uh, planting the seed, and the next day in grand finals it was Tom Hilfiger against Tidy Whitey, and that's exactly what happened. Tom was like, I'm just gonna throw this guy, and I'm gonna do falling leaf all day, and Tidy Whitey goes just down one plus two, which is the high crushing shoulder under every throw, and he just ducks a bunch of times, and he just kicks the shit out of Tom, and Tom just gets rolled up. You know, And that's one type of sandbagging where you, you play the guy that you think you're going to play before the tournament and you make him think that you have certain tendencies that you don't really have. Now, yeah, yeah and, and I've experienced this too in the past where I've played someone in the past and you, know, you intentionally do something over and over again to make them think, oh, all this guy does is this one thing. And then when it comes down to business, it's really hard to shake this uh, thing that's been planted in their head you know, you can't just shake it off in two it hours. Because basically,
1: like, like when, when you're playing Tekken, you kind of make like your, you have like your own mental notebook on this player's tendencies, and it's like, oh, this guy never ducks. That's so right. Tomorrow when I play him in a tournament, I'm gonna, you know, just get him with blows all day. But it's like, fuck, he just mind fucked me because he was he was planning that the whole time.
0: Yeah, and one of the most difficult things to get out of is a mind fuck. When you get mind fucked, it's like. It's over. Your equilibrium is gone, and you're just—you have no idea what to do. It takes like a whole, you know, a session of just thinking about this shit to shake that, and you can't do it in a tournament match. Two out of three, you're toast. And that's one of the reasons why it's so important to expect sandbagging. You have to expect it. Now, another story I want to tell is when I was in France uh, for Soul Calibur Soul Calib- 2 Worlds. Um, at that time, there was no YouTube. And the way the timeline went was uh, the French, the best French player, Dan the Knight, had come over here to Evo and he kicked the shit out of me. And then he went back to France and six months went by. And during that six months, nobody in France knew what I was doing, who I was playing, what character I was using. It's because there was no YouTube. So what happened was, when I arrive in France, I'm playing casuals before the tournament and I'm playing Dan the Knight and the rest of the French players and everyone else, and I'm using Yoshimitsu. And I am just kicking the shit out of everyone with Yoshimitsu, like doing really, really well, getting like 40 streaks. And what happened was everyone that was watching that and everyone that I was beating, they were like, oh, shit, this guy got rolled up by Dan the Knight at Evo, so he went and found Yoshi, and that's going to be his counter pick." So they went back to their rooms that night, and all they did was train against Yoshi. They're like, man, Aris <laughs> is a Yoshi player now, and he's he's going to beat us with Yoshi. And I totally wasn't a Yoshi player. I just played Yoshi for fun, and I was a Valdo player. So the next day, I played Valdo through the whole tournament, and these guys have no idea what to do. They spent their whole night practicing against Yoshi. I'm playing Valdo, and I'm just kicking the shit out of everyone. I think I beat them. that
1: bait and switch, man.
0: Exactly. Bait and fucking switch, you know? And so that's exactly what happened. And you got to be prepared for that. And they weren't prepared for that. You know, If, if someone's playing a character, you know, these days you kind of know who everyone's main is because of YouTube. I mean, the high profile players, everyone could, you could just watch their videos. But maybe sometimes there's a guy who isn't that high profile. You know, maybe he's a solid player. But he's not so solid that you see him placing at huge tournaments and stuff. you got to be prepared to where you play this guy in casuals before the tournament. And, oh, he's playing fucking Raven or something. you got to be prepared. This guy may be totally sandbagging you. And he's a really good Lars player. Or he's a, re- whatever, Bob player. You know, you got to be ready. Um, and, there, are, like I said, there are several different types of sandbagging. And one other uh, story I want to tell is Jinkid. From Texas, who mm-hmm. is one of the best Mishima players I've ever played. I believe it was at EC6, where in Irvine, where oh, yeah. I played him uh, before the tournament. And at this the time, is in
1: uh, Tekken DR days. Right?
0: Yeah, Tekken 5 DR. Mm-hmm. At the time, I was playing King, and before the tournament, I played Jin Kid, and he was uh, playing Devil Jin against me, and we were playing, and you know, we were going back and forth, but I was doing pretty well. And I didn't, for some reason, I didn't think that he was sandbagging just because he was playing Devil Jin. And he kind of leans towards me, we're shooting the shit a little bit, and he kind of compliments me. He, he verbally tells me, like, wow, you know, you're a Soul Calibur player, and I'm really impressed with your king. You know, your king is really good. And I was like, I was kind of, like, flattered because, you know, Jin Kid is super good. And I was like, wow, you know, thanks, man. And so that kind of built my confidence. And I was like, wow, you know, okay, man, this, this guy was really good. Thinks my king is really good, so okay, I feel good. And lo and behold, in the tournament, it gets down to maybe like, I don't know, top 8 or top to, top 10 or something. And I got to play Jin Kid. And man, let me tell you, this was one of the most fearsome beatings. I couldn't sit down for a week. This guy gave it to my ass so hard. This guy oh. <laughs> kicked the shit out of me so badly. I think you can still watch the video on YouTube. Devil Jin Against My King. He just kicks the shit out of me. And while I was playing, like, the first two rounds that went by where he just fucking puts an electric in on my prostate, you know? <laughs> I mean, he kicks my ass so bad that I'm thinking, after two rounds, I'm thinking, man, this guy really fucking pulled the wool over my eyes, you know? Like, he never thought I was good at all. He thought I was a piece of shit from the beginning, and now he's showing it, you know? So, lessons learned. I mean, everyone listening to this... Learn from the lessons I've learned. You know, I've, I've been there, I've been playing in tournaments for a really long time. Be prepared for sandbagging. Everyone does it. If they don't do it, assume that they're doing it. Always give people credit. If You know, um, it's easy to just be like, oh, you know, I played that guy in casuals. Or even after a tournament. I played that guy in a first to ten after the tournament, and I whooped his ass. Two two months later, you play that same guy that you you know whooped on in, an, in another tournament, and he fucks you up. So don't don't think like just because you beat this guy in a first to ten, or because you beat him in casuals before the tournament, that he's not good or that you're good. Because it's that mentality that's gonna get you fucked. Like when it counts, you know, it's always safe to assume that it's a trap. This is art of war, shit, Mike. Art of war. You gotta always assume it's a trap, man, because you don't want to get fucked up, dude. It it happens all the time. I mean, are there any... I mean, I I don't know if you... I I personally really look for this kind of thing, because it's what interests me in fighting games. I'm always looking for, you know, these types of psychological things that happen. I mean, have you experienced anything like this, Mike?
1: I mean, uh, there's there's certain things that, like, I do, like, let's say before we play in, like, a major tournament or something. Mm -hmm. Like, I think like when uh East Coast came over here for that little SoCal tournament and like when uh seven two five came down here for one of those two v twos like last year for when b r was just released or something mm mm-hmm. like when I would play those guys i you know they generally know which character i'm gonna play, right yes, but because all that youtube stuff, but exactly. it's uh it's like I play so many characters on the side anyway, so it's just like when it gets to the point where I'm playing them in casuals, I would do that uh. That, um, you know, that character bait and switch thing you do.
0: Exactly, yeah. So it's I'm,
1: like, I pretty much never play my main in casuals, so it's just one of the sandbag methods I use, I guess.
0: Yeah, There. it's funny. There are so many, like, styles of sandbagging that it, it could be just its own art form by itself. I mean, there are so many. You can do the planting the seed where you play your own character, but you do things to make the opponent think oh, well, all this guy is, does is this shit, or he never ducks, or that kind of thing. That's one method. Or you could play a totally different character. That's another method. Or you could do the Jin Kid method where you compliment the guy and, and verbally... False hope. <laughs> exactly. Verbally and psychologically, you give this guy hope, and he has no hope. You know, it's like, <laughs> make him think, like, you know, I, hey, you know, I, I'm a humble guy, and I'm willing to... uh. A, I'm willing to tell stories of when I've been fucked up. Because that's the, that's the stuff that really makes you better. And this, this beating I got from Jin Kid is one of the most ferocious ones of my life. You know, I, he really fucked me up. And, yeah, it's so important to, to look at this stuff. Another method of sandbagging that I forgot about is you can challenge a guy. Let's say, like, you know someone is maybe uh, in your bracket, or maybe, you know, uh, you know, him, you might end up playing him. You challenge him to a money match, right? Let me get you in a $5 first to five, or a $10 first to five. And in that month, this happened to me at a regional tournament at Denjin for Soul Calibur 4. Uh, this guy from NorCal, uh, he was playing uh, Hildy, and uh, obviously that character was total bullshit, but when I, when I I challenged him to a money match before the tournament, and I intentionally played on pad. Now, I'm not a pad player. <laughs> But the reason I played on pad is because my movement is shitty on pad, whether I like it or not, and I can only break B throws, which is a two-throw in Tekken. I can't break one-throws. I don't know why. I just can't do it. So when I played him in casuals, I threw that money match. I was like, I'll pay this guy $5 to plant this seed. So every time he threw me, I never broke a one-throw, only broke two-throws, and I couldn't move. And then when I played him the next day in winner's bracket... I, I was moving really well, and I knew that he was just gonna throw with one, and mm-hmm. I broke the one every time, and I ended <laughs> up beating him in winners bracket. But then he came back and beat me in grand finals because he's a cheap son of a bitch, and then uh, Hildy is a brokey character. But regardless, I made my point, and I beat him in winners bracket when it was thought that he was unbeatable. And that part of the reason I beat him is because of that, uh, you know, planting the seed that I did. And so, like I said, it's really important to be careful and assume it's a trap. Um, I mean, there, we could go on about this for so long, but I mean, that's the emphasis I wanted to put on it. Now, unless you have anything to add on sandbagging, we could just move on to the next thing we want to talk about
1: that no, I mean, I think we pretty much covered it, the three types. Like, the first one's, like, Inception. <laughs> the second one will be the bait and switch. And the third one will be the false hope. So just yeah. be careful for all the different kinds of sandbagging. Up yeah, and
0: there's also, you know, paying for sandbagging. You know, you can, you can oh, just... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Five bucks, it's worth it sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. Unless, you know, you're a cheapskate. To me, it's worth it. Five bucks...
1: It's just an investment for later in the tournament. <laughs>
0: exactly. You're buying a tournament win there, in a sense, you mm-hmm. know. So, yeah, there's there's many different methods, and I'm sure there are a shitload of stories out there, like the ones I've just told. Um, and they're very interesting, and I'm always keeping my eyes open for stuff like that, because I really like that stuff. But, anyway, moving on, the last thing we wanted to cover before we move on to the Geese Master interview I had is uh, SBO calls. right? Tell me about that, Mike. What's going on?
1: Um well, basically, we haven't had an SBO call since uh, 2007, and it's 2010 now, so it's been three years since our last Tekken you know, SBO call, so mm-hmm. I, I could expect that a lot of people are going to be coming out to this that's been wanting to you know, try to qualify for Tekken for SBO.
0: Yeah, that's very true, and it's in uh, San Mateo, California, right?
1: hmm San Mateo, California, so it's, like, way up there in Northern California.
0: Yeah, Um. and from what I hear, it was originally planned on being in an arcade, but there was an issue with obtaining the arcade license, so from what I hear, they're going to move the Tekken machines into a uh, play-and-trade, right?
1: Yeah, a play-and-trade in San Mateo, and it's only going to be on arcade cabinets, right?
0: Yeah, You. I, I mean, from what I hear, because uh, SBO, obviously, Togeki is a arcade-only tournament, so... Uh, the qualifier, I would assume, is also on arcade only. So, unfortunately for those pad players out there, you know, this is a this is a mature man's tournament. You gotta <laughs> leave your pad at the door, and you gotta fight like a man uh, with an arcade stick. You know, what's um,
1: interesting about this too is that uh, in in 2007 for SBO Quals, uh I qualified with Kane and Chet in uh NorCal. Now I mean they had three qualifiers though, but. Uh, the interesting part about the NorCal one was that uh, the old DR cabinets came with controller ports. Mm-hmm. So, it's not that we couldn't play on pad. We could, we just didn't have to play on the stock Japanese, you know, stick. So, we could have brought, like, any old PS2 stick, plugged that in, as long as it was Japanese parts, we could play on it.
0: Interesting. So, I mean, you have the option to plug something in, it just couldn't be a pad, Yeah. Right? Okay, so yeah, I mean, obviously these days the Tekken 6 cabinets do not have uh, ports, so you pretty much are stuck with the default cabinet. Hopefully they have good quality parts up there in, you know, NorCal, but I mean... In
1: is it going to be two cabinets or is it just one? <laughs>
0: You know, I'm not sure. I I heard that they're going to have two. I hope they at least have two, because if they get as many players and teams as I presume they're going to get, then it's going to be a long long fucking tournament. So hopefully they got their shit together. I mean, it's been in the works. They've been planning it for a long time. So if you're in the area or you know anywhere in the U.S., it it may be worth a trip. I know uh, Bloodhawk is going to team up with you, right? And he's coming from all the way from New York. So yep. we got people traveling and um it's a big tournament. I mean, it's your chance to play at Togeki, which is a major fighting game tournament in Japan. Yeah, it's
1: way up there with Evo, so it's yeah, like it's one the, of the most respected tournaments out there.
0: Yeah, it's the it's the Asian Evo equivalent. That's for mm-hmm. sure. So, you know, if you can make it out there, anyone listening, uh come check it out. I'll be there, um and Mike will be there and you know, there's it's going to be fun. So, um Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And that's this weekend. So it's coming up soon. Um, anyway, I mean, we, we we pretty much covered everything we wanted to talk about. So, um, before we, the last thing I wanted to say, the next guest I'm going to have on the podcast is Bronson Tran. So we're going to put an update on I am Tekken about that. But if you have any questions about Julia or about how Bronson's a dick, uh, you know, (laughs) we can, we can, you know, send those questions over and, uh, we'll have him on next. So, uh, without further ado, uh, here comes Geese Master.
1: Alright, here we go, guys.
0: All right, everybody, I'm very pleased to be here uh, with one of the best Fang players in the country, uh, notably performing really well at NorCal regionals, placing top eight, and beating some really reputable players uh, with a relatively, arguably low-tier character, uh, Fang. And I'd like to welcome you on, Geese Master. What's up, dude? How you doing?
2: Hey, how's it going?
0: All right, man. Um now I, I know uh, this is kind of an awkward character to be talking about, not too popular, but I'm being really uh, being really selfish here because recently I've been very interested in Fang, and I've been trying to learn how to play the character. So I want to uh, I wanted to get a good Fang player on here and kind of uh, pick your brain, you know, and figure out what's good with this character. What should I be focusing on when learning the character and stuff? So, I mean, uh, let's just start out with uh, uh, just general strengths. I mean, when, when picking up Fang, uh, what do you feel like are some things that a player should focus on? What are some of his really good strengths?
2: Uh, well, Fang is like a pretty good zoner. I mean, he can uh, he can kind of poke you away and like out-space you sometimes. Uh, he's pretty good at whiff punishing. He's got his like 13 frame back check. Uh, he's got like forward 4, which is, you know, pretty good range. You can keep mm-hmm. people out. Um, I uh, you can do down back one, uh, two if you see them coming, although it is a little bit risky because it's, it's, like, jab punishable, but, I mean, he's got, he's got quick, well, he's got decent range, I mean, he's got decent range at decent speed.
0: Yeah, I mean, see, so what's funny is he has so many unique moves, like, just in, in that answer you gave me right there, just some of those moves, I feel like I could just talk about those moves alone, um... There's so much to talk about. For example, his down-back-1 uh, is a very unique move in my eyes, at least, because he can go into his stances afterwards. And, and now I, what I want to know is if you do down-back-1 and hold back, uh, well, explain to me how that works. Can you block during his backwards uh, campo stance? No, but, like, it has
2: such a it, uh, fast recovery time. I mean, like, he, uh, he doesn't have to get all the way back in order to block anything. It's a blow.
0: Interesting. Bucket so up. so I mean, is it like an auto block or can you I mean, how does it work? It seems like that move, down back one, if you do down back one and hold back, it seems almost like it's not you can't even whiff punish it
2: sometimes. Yeah, it's it's really hard because I mean not very many not very many people have like anything some not not many people have like quick stuff that reaches that far. Interesting. And uh, I mean you can uh the problem with that is you can—it's—it's it's a free low if uh, if they see it coming. You I can, see. If you're Mishima, you can hell sweep it guaranteed. Uh, uh, some characters can do whatever other lows, and Fan can't do anything. But it has quick enough like mid recovery where you can—you can, you can kind of get away with it.
0: Yeah, it seems like it to me. And then, um, you know, tying into that, uh, obviously the backwards. Uh, but both—correct me if I'm wrong. What both those stances are called, campo, or what? What are those stances called?
2: Uh, I don't know. I just yeah, whatever. Yeah. That's Back what, at campo,
0: yeah, yeah, I hear you. That's what I call them too. So, um, the forward campo will parry two punches, right, or is it two hits at all? It's
2: two. Uh, it's it's uh it's two hits. Um, it can be punch or
0: kick, uh, mid or high, right?
2: Mid, yeah, mid or high.
0: And then it automatically, once absorbing those two hits, it automatically does a unique move that's untech rollable, right?
2: Well, I mean, you can. Uh, they can block it if they uh, if their second hit is like something that has fast recovery, but it usually doesn't happen. Interesting. You usually get get hit and it can do a wall splat, but it's uh you do need the timing down like pretty good, because if you do it, too, uh, do it too early or too late, it won't work.
0: Yeah, the window is pretty small. I've noticed that, too. Yeah. Um, and then you also mentioned uh, zoning with forward four, and um, that that is also a very unique move. I mean, it's a regular hit launcher. It's high, but, I mean, it's almost, I mean, it's pretty safe, right? It, on block, you can uh, do forward four and then hold back, which recovers in back turn, and yeah. I mean, there's nothing they can do to punish that, right?
2: Um, no. I'm pretty sure it's safe.
0: Yeah, it seems that way to me, too. And, I mean, um, recently I was in Japan, and b- prior to my trip to Japan, I really thought that Fang was just a piece of shit character. I really thought he was useless. And um, I went to Japan, and I played you, and I played this guy named Thailand Curry, and a bunch of other um, Fang players, and, man, they really opened my eyes to the potential of this character. And so, I mean, that's part of the reason why I'm picking him up. And some of those Japanese guys really abused forward four, just, like, way out of range. And, like, what they would do is they would do forward four, and if it whiffed, they would just hold down back and then turn around. And if you tried coming in, they would just, while standing three, and they would hit your whiff on yeah. your way in, you know? So I was really impressed with that. And then you were saying, what other, what other strengths does the character have?
2: Uh, well, I mean, with zoning, I, uh...
0: I mean, I noticed uh, he has, like, probably the best set of lows in the game, right?
2: Uh, he has quick lows. I mean, his down his down two is pretty good. I mean, it's, yeah. like, barely punishable. I mean, it's good. It's got a good free stomp on a counter
0: hit. That's right. So that stomp is completely guaranteed, right? Yeah. Now, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but if it hits on counter hit, and they try to get up to reduce the damage of the stomp, you can do a float with down forward one. Is that right?
2: Down forward one. Uh, Well, if they do try to get up from the... uh, well, before the stomp, Mm -hmm. then you could pick them up. Interesting. Uh, I've never really tried it because...
0: Yeah, I mean, it is a free stomp, so... I'm just uh, trying to think outside the box here, but... um, yeah, and then uh, down back three, very long-range low. But, I mean, of course, it's launch punishable. But I think that that low is really, really good because it's, it's fast enough. It's you know. Yeah, it's too fast and too hard to see. I mean, yeah. you, you just
2: want to use it for... You just try to break highs with it. That, that's all you want to use it for. Yeah,
0: and then uh, speaking of breaking highs, um, down two also high crushes, right? Down
2: two? Yeah, it does.
0: And then he has uh, full crouch down forward one. That high crush- crushes the whole way through and is also really safe. And, I mean, he's got so many. Sidestep 4, which is, I mean, you know, it, it can be telegraphed, but it's a really good combo juggle low, and he's got, um, you know, I've noticed uh, down back 4, which is pretty difficult to use at a high level. Uh, I've noticed when I'm watching Korean feng players, they use that move, like, way out of range. And it just seems to work. What are your thoughts on uh, down back four with that character?
2: Well, I I use it. I mean, it's it's a really good move actually. I mean, mm-hmm. not not to use as offense. You don't want to like try to hit people with it. But mm-hmm. if you yeah, if you just kind of bait them like from far range, it's really really hard to punish. Like, Interesting. If you whiff, and uh, I mean, it's got a good range. Like, you accidentally step into it, you're kind of you're dead.
0: Really? So what your goal when you're using that move is to either have it whiff or to hit. You you don't want to have it blocked.
2: Well, well, no.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, what I'm saying is that you, you're you using it at a range where you're so far away that either they're going to come into it and get counter-hit by it, or it's just going to whiff altogether. That's pretty much how you're trying to use it? Yeah,
2: pretty much. It's just, it's, it's kind of the same, you kind of use it the same like a uh, forward four. I mean, it's... It's just good to throw out like, out of the middle of nowhere because it just has good range and it's just really, really hard to punish.
0: Uh, that's really interesting. Now, um, you know, speaking of his stances and shit like that, what, what about his backturn stance? I was recently playing against um, a really good bake player in the local area, and he was abusing uh, Flamingo against me. And I was having a hard time g- getting him with something from backturn that tracks to fangs um, to his left, I mean, what do you usually do to stop, you know, to get tracking from his back turn stance?
1: Uh,
2: just, you can down three.
0: Yeah. If they're, if
2: they're, if, if you know, if they're, like, sidestep spamming, uh, it's a good way to catch them off guard, because they won't really, they'll be concentrating on sidestepping, and they'll just probably eat the low.
0: Interesting. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's no, like, none of the punches or any of the moves out of that back turn uh, track really well, huh?
2: Well, I mean, maybe, like, a, a f- the back turn four, like, that quick, like, high kick. It's oh, the so generic fast. one? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I tried that out. It, it might work on a regular sidestep, but it wasn't cutting it against Flamingo, so I guess, um, you know, either just turn back around or maybe just the low sweep might cut it. Um And then, so, um, that brings me to juggles. Now, in my opinion, this character is really strong and has really great pokes, but the thing that keeps him from being a really good character is just overall juggle damage is just, I mean, you can't argue, it's just shitty. Now, what do you feel like, uh, do you feel like this hurts the character overall in the tier list, or, I mean, how do you compensate for the weak juggles?
2: Well, yeah, that is a problem. I mean, he like he has trouble getting over uh 60 damage on on every on every launcher he has. Yeah. But uh I mean, he makes up for it with his Oki. Okay. I mean, he has several he has way too many options after bound.
0: Yeah, that is totally true. Now, let's go over some of that. Whatever what are your preferred options?
2: Well, uh I like to do uh after uh after a post bound or post bound, I like to do uh 4-4 forward, forward, neutral forward 4 forward, 3 4 or 4-4- Forward, four neutral, forward, three, four. I oh, don't know, no, forward, four, three, four, my bad.
0: <laughs> uh, forward, three, four, okay, okay, I got gotcha. yeah, okay, so, so you. Yeah, pretty much. So you, uh, forward, three, four, and then what? And then you
2: basically have several options from there. Uh, you can do, uh, I like to dash in and mm. uh, forward, like, shift three, you know, that little. Uh,
0: the head spring, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay, so that's four, slide, three. And then, now, I was going to bring that up. I'm glad you brought it up. When you do that setup, post-bind, you do forward, three, four, they flip over, and they tech roll, and then you do the four-slide, three, head spring, you're at frame advantage there, right? Because they're tech rolling and blocking that move late. Do you know what the the data is there?
2: No, I don't. But, I mean, you can probably get a back four easy, unless... uh Although, if they backdash, they can probably
0: punish you. But. I mean, uh, in my experience, that you're at least plus five or six there. I mean, it seems like because you're blocking that head so late, it seems like you recover way faster than them, and I don't think they can do anything about it. When uh, I, I was going to ask you what are some good 50-50s there, because if you do, let's say, a throw in that position, they can't even hop kick it. So that means you're at least plus five. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what the data is either. Obviously, frame data like that doesn't really exist because it's so unique. But, I mean, it's a really, really good... You're right. It's a really good Okazemi after post-bind. And, I mean, I don't know if it makes up for free damage, though. But, um, I don't know. Uh, speaking of which, I mean, how, how high do you think he is on the tier list?
2: Uh... Well, I mean, again, he doesn't. His problem is, uh, like, launching range. I mean, uh, Ford 4 is probably his best, like, long range uh, launcher. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, he has four three four, 3 4, but that's, like, really, really hard to punish whiffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his hopkick, like, has very poor range. It, it barely goes anywhere. Same really? While Rising 3.
0: Huh. Interesting. I mean, um. Are you comparing it to like what which hop kicks are you comparing it to because it seems I mean at least in my experience it seems better than say kings or lays or um I mean some of the really weak ones in the game it, it seems a little better than those
2: no i don't it it has poor it has really poor range some oh, really? every almost every character who has a like a long uh, hop kick like can punish certain things that are minus 15 that Fang just, like, barely can. not
0: Oh, I see, I see. So you mean for block punishing? Yeah. Oh, okay, interesting, interesting. But even for
2: with punishing, I mean, it's... Unless... They, they have to do it, like, point blank in front of your face.
0: Yeah, it's pretty much got to be a sidestep punish, right? It's You can't yeah. just, like, backdash. Interesting. Yeah, and you mentioned... Uh, forward 3-4 as a whiff punisher, I mean, yeah, you do really have to be sharp to use that because it is 17 frames, and you can't hit confirm it, and you get butt-fucked if you uh, get it blocked. It's really bad on block, so, I mean, I I agree with you. I agree with you on that. And uh, he also has down forward 3, which is uh, very short range, but it's also a safe launcher, right?
2: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's... It's too short to, like, punish, but you want to use it, like, to mix up with the uh, sidestep four. just like uh, Interesting. Because a lot of people just look for the, the sidestep four, and you can sometimes just down four, three, and they'll, uh, they'll get hit.
0: Interesting. Yeah, That, uh, that looking at it, it, it seems like uh, they're almost the same speed, too, off of a sidestep, so that's a good point. I never really thought about that. Now, um, what about for ten-frame punish? Because, you know... He he has one two two, and he has the option of doing one two two and staying back turned. But in my experience, when you go back turned off of one two two, you're too far away to really mix them up for anything, unless they're backs to the wall. Do you agree with that, or is there something I don't know about? No,
2: I mean you don't want to do anything after uh, after the back turn just because you're you're too negative after after you back turn. You can't really do anything if they just hop kick you. I mean, and you really? try to do it and you're just gonna get kicked.
0: So you don't have enough frame data to really take advantage of the situation. After one,
2: you might be able to do a back, back turn one, if they try to do something that takes a while. But it, that's not really, it's not really worth it.
0: Yeah, I see. So for a 10 frame punish, do you uh, do you just do one two two, or do you do one three? I mean, what is the, in your opinion, the best? Ten frame punish for him.
2: I it just it's just kind of random. I like to do one two two just because it does more damage, and then back turn. And if they sometimes people do try to do some, and I uh, I always just uh, down back hold down back after the back turn, and I while rising one them if they try to do anything.
0: Interesting. So you create space by just holding down back.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It just kind of lures them. The it kind of it's kind of a bait. Like if they try to do anything, you you can punish them, but. Nobody really does. The smart players don't do anything.
0: I see. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that does seem like the case. And then, um, you know, as far as punishing, you know, 12 frame, he doesn't really have anything, right? Back 4, but nobody really gives a shit about that. one is two, better. And then 13 frame, is his shoulder 13 or 14 frames? That's another thing I didn't know for sure.
2: Yeah, his shoulder is uh, 13 frames.
0: 13 frames. Interesting. That's really good. I did not know that okay, uh, go ahead what were you gonna say
2: the uh, the range has been toned down since dr but it it still reaches like pretty far yeah so it,
0: yeah I, I agree it's a it's a useful tool to have uh, especially now that you can't backroll off of counter hit back one I mean you know gotta use it so um do you do you use back one at all or you just keep it out of your game no I use it sometimes usually just to
2: like if I'm like freaking out in the two like If they're rushing me too hard, or... Mm -hmm. Sometimes I like to set it up after a down forward one, or a raw rising one. Yeah, I I hear you. Yeah, Um, they try to do anything.
0: That's that's interesting, because um, I was looking at his frame data, I was studying um, Fang's frame data, and I noticed some things were really unique. Some of the things that uh, he has, for example... um, Let's see... uh, his standing 1 is, of course, plus 1 on block, but his 1-2 is 0 on block, and that's really rare. I mean, uh, so something like 1-2 into back 1, if they block the 1-2 and they try to do a jab, the best they could do is trade with your back 1. So I thought that was interesting, and also his down forward 1 is also 0 on block, right? Down forward 1. It's, uh, yeah, it's all, it's zero. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's really, really good, really unique. So, I mean, and, and then um, down four, one of the, I, we forgot to mention this when we were talking about lows, but what do you think about that move? That move is so cheap, in my opinion. Down four? Yeah. Well,
2: it sets them up. It doesn't really do any damage, but uh-huh. it's like, you know, 14 frames, it's zero on hit. Yeah. You're barely punishable on block, and, I mean, you can just set it up with, a uh, whole bunch of things. Yeah, yeah
0: I mean, uh, in, uh, when the matches that I've watched recently, you know, when I'm trying to study the character, uh, it looks like the really, like, high-end uh, fang players are just trying to just annoy the other player into making mistakes. Like, And it seems like that's a smart way to do it, just, like, poking them with stuff like down four and then whiffing shit like forward four from across the screen and stuff like that, trying to kind of Aggravate them and make them make mistakes. I mean, would you agree with that?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, he's a uh, Fang. Fang mostly zones, but his offense when he goes on his offense, he uh, he just pokes you. That that's pretty much it. Yeah,
0: that's that's interesting. I mean, uh, any other unique uh, uh, attributes you think uh, people should focus on when they're people, namely me? I should focus on when I'm playing the character.
2: Well, actually, there is. I mean, with there is one thing that I think you do definitely have to learn with mm-hmm. him is uh, is basically uh, canceling his uh, snake dash into wall rising one.
0: Really? Okay. That's so, snake dash is um, generically speaking, a snake dash is a wave dash with a sidestep in it. Is that what you call it? Is that what you're talking about? Pretty much. Yeah. Really? Okay. So why is that so important?
2: Well, I mean because. Uh, if you do a snake dash and cancel into Wild rising one, it's basically like a half screen like poke. And although he's minus one on block, you can mm-hmm. still set him up with whole array of things, annoying pokes. Interesting. Yeah,
0: minus one is not that bad. I mean, that's for damn sure. Um, does his wall standing one have any tracking? Uh,
2: well, I think you can sidestep it on one side, but you don't. People aren't really sidestepping when. I mean, I mean, unless they're doing that turbo sidestep, you know? Yeah. Not going <laughs> to...
0: The electric east coast underground sidestep or whatever. Yeah, people yeah. do that shit from across the room. But I hear you. When you're moving in, also usually when you use a crouch dash to move in, in my experience, uh, it makes whatever poke you do out of it uh, track a little bit better. So, yeah, that's interesting. I never really thought about that. Um, but
2: I mean, but the one thing is that, like, Fang just already has so much tracking, you don't want to, like, sidestep him. I mean, he has back four and down four, three, four already.
0: Yeah, so. back four is really good. Down four, three, four, yeah, I hear that. Um, also, sidestep two is a homing move, right?
2: Sidestep so well, two, I guess, but that's that's like a useless move.
0: Really? Why is it useless? I use that all the time. I, I'm glad we ran into something we disagree on. Uh, why, why, why do you think it's useless?
2: Well, it's got good range, but, I mean, it's a high, and it's just... I don't know, like, if they see the sidestep and you do it, and they uh, think you're going to do a side sidestep 4, I mean, you could potentially get launch punished.
0: I see what you're saying, okay. It's just, I mean, you just, it's
2: not its not dangerous or anything, but it's, it's just kind of like, there's no point. It's not really doing anything.
0: Yeah, I see. I mean, it, when I play Fang, I mean, I really am trying to focus on annoying the other guy. And like you said, that move has a lot of range, and it tracks a lot. So it tracks really well, of course, because it's a homing move. So what I try to do is just way out of range, like at the tip range, I try and just do that move, and then, like you said, uh, with one to 2 I try and create space with down-back. And uh, that really pisses people off That I, from what I've noticed. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. I, I, li- I, just, I like it because it's fast, and it, and it tracks really well from tip range. But, uh, I don't know, to each his own, I guess. Um, but I mean, when I was in Japan, um, and this is the next thing I was going to ask you, uh, are some setups for the quick back turn mix ups, but I felt like they would put me in situations by the wall and then they would go quick back turn and they would do like either regular throws or they wouldn't do anything. They would just quick back turn and then turn back around and do like a hop kick. And it was really difficult to deal with these like fake back turn mix-ups. Like, they would just turn back-turn to make me shit my pants, and then they wouldn't do back-turn shit. I mean, what are situations that you you you've found where you can just do a quick back-turn to mix people up?
2: Uh, well, I mean, uh, after, like, a ba- after a launch and a bound, uh, if you do, uh, I think one good way to set it up is, uh, a back-turn is just, uh, after your four three four, 4 mm-hmm. you can, uh, if, if you don't think they're going to roll back and you think they're going to tech, I mean, you can just run up and do a back turn and then basically set them up from there. Uh, after a 4-2 uh, a uh, counter hit, you can do the same thing, run up, back turn, set them up. If oh, you, but,
0: interesting. Yeah, okay.
2: But also another thing, I mean, if you just notice them just, like, standing there and, like, not doing anything, you can just... You, they're just asking for, like, a free mix-up. I mean, you can just... Run right up to him and just back turn and yeah, do whatever you
0: want. I've heard people complain that they don't like that Fang makes a noise when you turn back turn. I've heard people say like, oh, I wish it was quiet. Now I I was kind of surprised when I read that because I kind of think that him making a noise is better because it makes it seem like he's doing a move and that would make you hesitate. Um, What do you think about that? You think it's better if he makes a noise or if it's quiet?
2: Uh, i don 't think it really matters because I think once somebody sees the back turn they they're just they just have uh they're ready to block some in their head i mean they're yeah. they're kind of panicking
0: yeah I kind of agree I mean especially these days when all the big tournaments are uh ran on ASUS monitors which have no sound or the sound is really low uh I mean it doesn 't really matter in the end. <clears throat> Yeah, and then so uh, what about wall uh, wall situations? Is there any uh, specific or unique wall juggles or wall uh, setups you would uh, recommend?
2: Well, actually, uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of people. I mean, his uh, his most damaging uh, wall combo is after after you know a bound is four two one two, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know his most after like. You know, after you bound them, and you kind of you're able to like resplat them on the wall, mm-hmm. and you can't bound them again, but like, you know, they're flat on the wall. Yeah, you can do uh, a one uh, down forward one and mm-hmm. a uh, back a back check, and it all it all hits, and it does the most. Interesting. Um, but anyway, but like after a bound at mm-hmm. the wall, really the best thing to do is just a back turn or not a back turn, but a forward uh, forward twelve.
0: Four 1 plus 2, back turn, down 4, right?
2: No, don't do the down 4, because really? after, uh, I mean, after you do uh 12, I mean, uh-huh. one, you get pretty decent amount of damage, and uh-huh. two, if they tech, I mean, their, your back is already turned, and you can set them up with whatever. Interesting.
0: Oh, yeah. back turn, um, does back turn 1 plus 2 wall splat again? No, that's only on counter here, right? No, not, not
2: back turn, but, uh, 12, I mean, you know, that... That weird back check
0: yeah yeah I, I understand the one uh the it's a combo like you you bind them at the wall and then you do forward one plus two, and that's a and like he hits you with his back and then you're back turned and then for a mix up from there, what do you do if they tech roll
2: well, if they tech roll i mean they're you can do whatever I mean if you do a twelve and they get hit and you're oh. pretty linear against the wall, you can do uh a back turn one after it and a back twelve. Or a back check.
0: I'm not used to this. Uh, 12. Uh, I keep have to, having to like do mathematical equations.
1: Sorry. I, no, that's cool.
0: No problem. So, uh, so uh, let me let me re- recap. So you you get a bind. You hit with forward one plus two in your back turn. Now, if you're gonna do a 50/50 on them, uh, what would be the 50/50 that you would pick? I mean, you could obviously throw for you know for right. a high. There's there's three things you can do. I mean, okay. getting away with the
2: uh, the low sweep also is is a good. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can get away with the low sweep because I mean, one when, when you do it and they tech roll, they're panicking. I mean, you're they know they're about to eat some. Yeah. I mean, it could be a, a mid twelve mm-hmm. back back from twelve. Mm-hmm. It could be a throw or it could be, you know, the quick the quick low into uh, yeah.
0: Uh, I I noticed a technique that the Japanese players were doing when I was there is they would go back turned and then they would duck in back turn, which keeps you in back turn, and then they would hit down three. So if you were even going to duck for the low, you would duck and then stand up, and then they would hit you with the unseeable down three. Yeah, that's just
2: one of Fang's many mind tricks. I mean, he can just kind of pressure you, because you you don't know what he's going to do. I mean, he can do something really quick, and get major damage off the wall, or he can just,
0: like, sit there and, like... Yeah, wait, create hesitation and stuff. Yeah, I noticed that, too. Um, Another thing I noticed you could do on the wall, it's probably not, uh, you know, a lot of players probably wouldn't think that it's the best thing to do, but off of uh, Bind, I noticed you could do down forward one, and then down back one, and if you hold back, because the down back one hits them all the way on the ground, so it scales up to 70% damage, and then if you hit back from there, you can mix up the back tempo 1, which is a relatively safe low that does 26 points damage, and then you can also do the back tempo 3, which is the hop kick, and both of those will catch a tech roll to each, either side. Of course, they can block them, but it's a, it's a true 50-50. Um, I don't know how good... This really is, but I've been doing it lately, and it seems pretty good. I don't know. Tell me if I'm a scrub or not.
2: Well, no, that doesn't really work because you can see the uh, the hop kick, and if they they all have, all they have to do is really just block low, and if they see the hop kick, uh, I mean, they can just block high. It's not the hop kick's not fast enough.
0: The the one off of back tempo the one that's like sixteen frames.
2: Yeah, it's not. It's, you can see it.
0: You can see sixteen frames. You must be the the best player on the planet. Well, no, the, really low, the low is so easy to see, though.
2: I mean, he just like I so. Don't know. You think you
0: can option select it? Is what you're saying? Pretty much. I see. Okay. Well, I, I, I respect that. I, I'll accept that as a reply. Um, now, moving on, as uh, you know, talking about the character, um, what, do you feel like he has some really good matchups, or any 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 matchups you feel like are uniquely good, maybe against really good characters? Uh,
2: I I can't really tell. I mean, um... He's... I, I've... I mean, you know, in Tekken, there's not really... I mean, there are matchups, but you don't... But that's the good thing about Tekken. You, you don't... Just because you have a bad matchup doesn't mean you're not gonna... Doesn't mean you can't win with your character.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, um... You know, you said it exactly like it is. It's not like other games like Street Fighter where a matchup is, you know, hopeless or anything, but there are times when, you know, a certain character there's something really glaring that stands out. Um you don't feel like there's anything that really stands out in any matchups. He's just mm-hmm. an all around solid character.
2: Well I know his worst matchup is, is like Miguel, in my opinion. Oh really?
0: I'm I'm very interested in hearing why why you think that.
2: Well, I mean, Miguel is just so much of a better like poker than Fang. I mean, he's just completely... Fang is completely outpoked in that match. I mean, really? Like,
0: you really think so? I happen to uh, play Miguel as well. So I'm curious why you think um, Miguel's pokes are better than Fang's. Because personally, I think Fang's are much better. So uh, what do you think? Well, I mean, Miguel
2: has a bunch of short-range pokes that he can do all day. And Fang is mostly... Fang's pokes are mostly, like, mid to long range. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when Miguel's up close, there's nothing really he can think and do but, like, back fours and jabs and... Yeah, that's pretty much it. Which, uh, maybe a- or are you
0: talking about down forward one mix-ups from, from Miguel?
2: Well, I mean, anything, pretty much. I mean, he can just... He can poke you with down forward one. He can do uh-huh. lows. He can... He can, uh, I mean, do his little uh, knee... I forgot what the notation is, but I mean he's just got multiple pokes that Fang doesn't have I mean interesting okay I mean cl-
0: I, I don't know maybe um maybe I'm from uh more familiar with Miguel because I play him, but I mean personally playing both characters, I really think that uh Fang's pokes are much stronger um Miguel does have a stronger hop kick that's for sure, even though it's minus fourteen. It has really, really good range, and, um, you know, Miguel has down back three, and he also has Savage down back three, which are probably his best pokes, and maybe down three also, his best low pokes, um, but, I don't know, I mean, Fang, in, like, you know, wall standing one, uh, down four, down forward one, 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 two, you know, he's got so many pretty fast pokes, like faster than 15 frames that you can just annoy the shit out of your opponent with. And then he also has things like, you know, he has that back sway move. I think it's forward-back one, or back-forward one. That's what it is. He has back-forward one. Do you ever use that? No, because it's like minus 16. Yeah, it is launch punishable. That is true. But um, I, lo- I, being a Dragonov player, I really like uh, moves like that backswing. Yeah, I, I've back seen that,
2: but, that, but Dragonoffs is, you know, only jab punishable.
0: Yeah, that it's yeah Offs is minus 12, and it is a launcher on regular hit, but, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's because I've been, you know, using that type of move for such a long time. I kind of have a feel for it, but I like that move. I, I use it, it, I feel like it really complements Fang's pokes a lot better than Off's complements his pokes, because Dragonoff is not a very poke-based character, yeah. so... <clears throat> I don't know. I, I I use that move. I like it. Um, and then, so you said Miguel. What other characters do you feel like are... Uh, are uh, He's not good against?
2: Uh, I guess... Uh, no, I mean, I can't really see any other bad
0: matchups. I mean... Interesting. How do you feel he, he does against, like, you know, the top tier characters, like Lars or Law? Well, I mean, he can do good. He just...
2: I... I there's not, there's not really anything that they both have that can scare Fang.
0: Yeah. I, I, you know, it's kind of interesting. Like, you wouldn't, I, you wouldn't agree with you on paper, but when I, when I was talking to some of the Japanese Fang players, they kind of had the same attitude as you. It's like, um, Fang is a pretty much overall solid character, and he could deal with anything, but the only thing really holding him back is just the guaranteed juggle damage. The damage differential between him and other characters is just—it's just off, you know. And that's the only thing keeping him back. And it seems like that's your attitude too, right?
2: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, there are a few things I'd like for him to have, but that—that that is the main one, really.
0: You—you you played Feng in uh, DR as well, right? Yeah. And I, I assume you feel like he's weaker now than he was back then.
2: Uh. It's hard to say. I mean, he was like super cheap in DR, but uh-huh. he just has so much more new stuff. It's not really that like he's gotten worse. It's just that so many people, so many other characters have just gotten that much better. While yeah. Fang just kind of he didn't really go anywhere.
0: Yeah, I kind of I kind of see what you're saying. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday, and I feel like Fang is one of those characters that is so technical and. Um, he has so many like weird kind of techniques to create hesitation that he's very difficult to use in my opinion because of uh, he has so many moves and his move list. I mean, there's so many good moves, but not that many great moves. So it's kind of not easy to know what to use. Everything is good. Nothing is too good to where you're abusing everything or anything so it's kind of hard to decide what to do I mean, do you agree with that? Well, I mean yeah, he he has to use like, all
2: of his moves uh, at, you know, certain times he can't well, besides uh, sneak dash into War Rising 1 and just back fours, I mean the, he has to be careful with what he does, because some people can, like, I don't know Punish him. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, it, it definitely seems that way. It just, to me, it just makes it a, a difficult character to use because, I mean, you have too many options. So you know, the human mind can't keep all these options in your head all the time. So it's, I think it's a very hard character to use overall. Um, and you know, I'm I'm gonna stick with it. I, I like the character right now. So far, I'm uh, I'm using him as a sub main. And you know I'm I'm really interested in him. Um, anything else? I mean, just to close out the Fang conversation, is there anything else you uh, feel like we left out with him that you know uh, you think is important? Uh,
2: not really. Just he just learn how to do uh wall rising one off snake dashes and no one plant your back fours. That's pretty much a
0: interesting. Um, so just to clarify, uh, to do a wall setting one out of a uh, let's say a crouch dash. It's down down forward neutral one, right?
2: Yeah, pretty much. Okay, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's the same with dragon So luckily I've been <clears throat> I've been doing that shit forever. Um oh, all right, man. Um last thing, we always do it on the show, you know, you got to call someone a bitch or call someone out or talk some shit to someone, man. So call someone out, dude. Uh
2: I shouldn't have lost a seven-two-five like I did. Cause oh, I like what I'm hearing. Tell me, tell me. These sloppy, sloppy Steve setups that I, where we're just, I guess we were randomly working that day, okay. and uh, like to get a rematch.
0: Oh, all right, all right. And you guys are pretty close, right? How far are you from NorCal?
2: Uh, I'm from Portland, so I'm pretty far. I don't,
0: I don't know my geography. So, uh are you going to uh SBO Calls?
2: Uh, no.
0: Oh, that's unfortunate. You might have gotten your rematch there. I know he's going. But, um, yeah, I, I really appreciate you coming on, and I uh, I especially appreciate you immediately calling someone out, because when I ask people to call someone a bitch, a lot of the time they're like, oh, and they're umming a while. So I, I, I respect you for knowing who you want to call out when you were asked, uh, and uh, thank you for giving me the fang strats and everything. I'm going to stick with it and hopefully... Uh, I'm going to get to that level with this character because I like him a lot. All right. All right. Thanks a lot, man. We'll we'll see you next time. All right, yeah. Take it easy. All right, everybody. I'd like to uh, thank uh, my good man, Geese Master, for dropping the Fang Strats on me. And, uh, I mean, you know, take it easy. Watch the show. Listen to the show. Do your thing. Catch you later.